Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Today's Thursday, February 16th, 2023, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. The cop who shot and killed a black man in Shreveport, Louisiana, arrested today on homicide charges. We will explain. We had the family attorney on the other day. We'll tell you about that story. Also, the Department of Justice, they have launched an investigation into uh, the beating of a black man in Mississippi. Uh, we told you about that case yesterday. His attorney, Malik Shabazz, is going to be on the show giving us a better explanation of what happened with EOJ. Also, for Colorado ranchers who have been harassed by white folks, they're going to be joining us on the show uh, as well. In Wisconsin, state's highest court, the Supreme Court could flip there, uh, and we could get the first Black State Supreme Court Justice. That's right, Judge Everett Mitchell will tell us about uh, his campaign. Also, I talked to the United Ambassadors Linda Thomas Greenfield. Uh, we talked about uh, the anniversary of Ukraine war, what the United States is doing when it comes to Haiti, as well as conflict in Ethiopia. Folks, it is time for us to bring the farm. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Streaming on the Black Star Network. Let's go. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Yeah, yeah. It's on go, 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 y'all. It's rolling, Martin. Yeah. Rolling with rolling now. ago, we told you about a black man shot and killed in Shreveport, Louisiana, by a cop responding 
to a domestic disturbance call. Yesterday, the family finally saw the body cam footage. Today, that cop turned himself in. He's been charged with negligent homicide. Officer Alexander Tyler turned himself into the Cato Parish Correctional Center. He was taken into custody by Louisiana State Troopers after detectives in the investigation bureau reviewed the evidence in the body camera footage of what took place on February 3rd of the death of Alonzo Banks. Tyler was granted a $25,000 bond. Folks, uh, here's the body camera footage. Uh, that uh, led to the I remember turning to the family, we had them on the other day, and the family was saying, release the camera footage. Well, they showed the family yesterday. This was the footage. Trigger warning. This is the body camera footage that led to this white cop being charged with homicide. Hey, how you doing, Will? How you doing? Hey, what's your name? Alonzo. Hey, can you step out for me? No. What you need? Can you My step dog. Out? I got a dog. No, no, come on in, sir. He's disturbing right. the peace. So people are next to Let me put my dog in. Sit down. Let me put my dog in. Sit down. Let, the, let her. Hey, come here. Come here. Put my dog up. She can put the dog up. That's right. He's disturbing the peace. He's clowning. The woman next door. Yeah. She's not really. I'm about to get you. I'm about to get you. There you go. Hey, hey! He went, hey, he went that way, Todd. This right, send a EMS right now. Shut fire, shut fire. No. No, sir. Sir. Hey, hey, hey. No. No. Tyler. No. No. Tyler, you good? Hey, no, hey. No, no, no. Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. No. Come on. Come on. No, no, come on. Man. No. No, no. Come on. No, man. No. Come on. No. You're good. You're no, good. Man. Come on, dude. This Come on, man. See the EMS right now. 1018. 1018. Come on, dude. Hey. Hey, come on, dude. Stay with me. Stay with You're me. Good, man. Hey, Stay put pressure. With put pressure. pressure. Stay with me, come man. On. Come Stay on. with me. Come on. You're good. You're good, bro. Stay You're with me. Hey. You good? Hey, keep breathing. Keep breathing. Keep Stay breathing. With keep breathing. Stay with me, man. Stay with me. Breathing. 
No, you're good, man. Keep breathing. Keep breathing, dude. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Fuck, dude. Alex, hey, go to go to the front of the building. Go to the front of the building. Wave them down. Wave them down with your flashlight. Come on. Run, 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 run. Hey, hey, dude. Hey, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. Look at me. Hey, look at me. 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 Hey, wake up. Wake up. Look at me. Look at me. Hey, respond. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wake up. Respond. Come on. Come on. Body cam put it. No, 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 no. Fuck, dude. No, no, no. No, 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 man. No, no, no. No, man. No. No! You good? No, man! Come on, dude! Just Come go. on, man! Send the EMS right now, 1019, 1019! Come on, dude! Hey. Come on, dude! Stay with me! Stay with me, man! Stay with me! Stay with me, man! Stay with me! Come on, you're good! You're good, bro! Stay you're with me! Good. Hey! You're good! Hey, keep breathing! Stay keep breathing! Stay keep breathing! With me. Stay with me, man. Stay with me. Breathe. Are you good, man? Keep breathing. Keep breathing, dude. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Stay with me. Keep breathing. Fuck, dude. Alex, hey, go to go to the front of the building. Go to the front of the building. Wave them down. Wave them down. Over here, guys. Over here. Over here. Folks, again, uh, shocking, shocking video to watch. Again, Alonzo Bagley 
simply running away. Question is, why is the cop shooting? That's the question. Why is the cop shooting? Why is the cop firing his gun? That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, we have seen these stories over and over and over again, uh, and it continues to happen. Uh, we're going to do this here. We're going to go to a break, uh, and then we're going to talk about this story. But also, we're going to talk about the story of this young brother out of Mississippi. Again, similar story, same thing. Officers come to the scene. Again, they shoot. Uh, Michael Corey Jenkins is fighting for his life. Now, unable to talk, folks. This is what happens with police and black men in this country. Folks, be sure to download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, we'll talk about this again. Also, don't forget, watch us on Amazon News. If you're on Amazon Fire, go to Amazon News. You can watch our 24-7 streaming channel right there. You can tell Alexa to also play news from the Black Star Network, and you can do that as well. All right, folks, going to a break. We'll be right back. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punch! I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All the momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hi, I'm Amber Stevens West from The Carmichael Show. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, so we're just telling you there, of course, about uh, the story out of Louisiana. Let's go to Mississippi with the Department of Justice. They're investigating possible civil rights violations by Mississippi Sheriff's Department after white sheriff's deputies allegedly shot a black man in the mouth while handcuffed during a suspected drug raid last month. We told you about Michael Corey Jenkins, of course, that story last night. He was at a friend's house when six white Rankin County Sheriff's deputies burst through the front door. Folks, uh, there are huge discrepancies between what uh, the cops are saying and what the Jenkins family says 
took place on January 24th. Joining us now is the attorney for the, for the family, Malik Shabazz. Uh, so, Malik, um, you were at the Department of Justice today? And uh, 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 what uh, the same thing about I, this particular? I was dealing with the Emmett Till. Got it. And I'm attorney for the Emmett Till family against the case against Carolyn Bryant. Right. But the Department of Justice has opened up a formal investigation into the criminal actions of the six white Rankin County Sheriff deputies that on January 25th illegally raided, broke in to uh, uh, the residents where Michael Jenkins and Eddie Terrell Parker, two men who I represent, broke into this residence and began a 90-minute torture session. This was, no, this was no rash action, no running, no resisting. Michael is not a felon. He wasn't resisting. But over the course of this 90 minutes, they, they handcuffed the men immediately and bound them. And for 90 minutes, they beat them, tasered them repeatedly kicked them, punched them, and even waterboarded them. You heard about that from Iraq, mm -hmm. where you just pouring liquids on the people to get them to confess. I mean, I mean, really dogging and humiliating and abusing these men until after pointing the guns at them repeatedly. We've done a thorough investigation on all of this. After pointing the guns and threatening to kill them in this 90-minute torture melee, one of the deputies put the gun in Michael's mouth and fired, okay? And the bullet came, came out of Michael's neck, almost killed him. Luckily, he'd be like Tyree Nichols, but he's, he's not. And so, therefore... But uh, his tongue was surgically removed. His tongue was... was yeah, his, he barely had his tongue, and he had to do all kind of operations. He eats now through a feeding tube. He cannot eat. He eats, he eats through liquid through a feeding tube. He has permanent cognitive damage, permanent damage to his eyesight and, and other serious injuries as a result of being shot. So the news is, it's not just civil rights violations, is that criminal charges are, 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 should be imminent, and I think that they are imminent, based on Michael's interview that I witnessed with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. And, and they're, lead, they're leading the investigation, they're, well, not, not, the, not the county. No, the Department of Justice has now got involved. Well, in, that, that's, in, that's federal civil rights violations. Yeah. But in terms of the criminal side, MBI. the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is leading it, but not the Sheriff's Department. No, not. No, it's Mississippi policy right, right. That, MB, that the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation investigates. Uh, any body camera footage for, for these sheriff's officers? Uh, there should be. There should be, but I can't confirm it right now. Got Mississippi it. is notorious for concealing and denying victims the chance to look at the body cam footage. If, That's going to change. If this was a drug raid and they were there 90 minutes, why not handcuff them and take them down to the sheriff's department and do the investigation there? 90 minutes at the house? That's what you're, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, uh, if, if you have an arrestable offense or you have probable cause, Roland, you uh, arrest a person. You take them into custody. I, you know, most of these incidents we see there are or rapidly evolving circumstances. They're running, there's resisting, or there's some kind of interaction. This is 90 minutes of intent, of intentionally planned out conduct. I mean, some of it is, is horrific, then the other parts of it are absolutely juvenile. I went to the house, I'll give you the pictures at some point. They threw eggs at these men for 90 minutes. There's eggs all on the wall. Eggs? Um, eggs, eggs literally on the wall. Um, uh, they use racial slurs in the course of this. So the Justice Department should be seeking hate crime charges. 
but and uh, and there's even some some sexual deviancy in this in this thing. I mean, I'm talking about attempted sodomy. So they were they, they were they were accusing them of dating white women. Well, this is a this is a, a, a rural area in Rankin County. Now, Rankin County deputies are notorious for their abuse and murder. Uh, so I do want to say that that Black Lawyers for Justice is opening up an entire investigation into their department, all of their murders. But in this specific case. Uh, 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 they, they came in without a warrant. These are the only black men in a two-mile, and basically a two-mile radius. So the white officers, white officers come in saying, you know, basically this is our area, and, and, and y'all are not going to be dealing with our women, and, and, and so forth. So they, talk, they, they came in basically saying that y'all are not wanted here, and we run this area. It's very rural. And they're used to getting away with this because most brothers in Mississippi say that once they charge you with something, uh, uh, you better plead guilty or otherwise you're going to jail for a long time. The problem here, Brother Roland, is that he was shot at the end of this melee. Either, I believe it was intentional that he was shot and then that's when the cat was out the bag. Well, shot and survived. Shot and survived. He was shot in the mouth and he was in the ICU for a couple of weeks and he survived, but it was a—it uh, was a, one of the most. This is one of the most outrageous acts of police brutality that I've seen because I've never seen an organized torture session of this length that Mr. Jenkins and Mr. Terrell Parker faced. Now, have they filed any charges against Jenkins and Terrell? They have. They have. But these charges are manufactured, and these charges are going to, I expect all charges to be dropped. Expect all charges to be dropped. They're absolutely manufactured. Originally, the NBI and the police put out a statement that Michael had a gun. Look at what they're saying now. They're not saying anything. They're, they're not saying he had a gun. They're saying they're going to investigate, and if anything's wrong, they're going to take action. The officers are covering up. Uh, uh, we have them on the defensive in this hour as, a, as attorneys. Myself, attorney Trent Walker from Mississippi and, and my partner Reginald Green out of Atlanta. We have them on the defensive absolutely right now. We're pressing the case. We want these officers jailed. They must be charged not with just negligent homicide. They must be charged with attempted murder. All of them. Because nobody intervened, like in the Nichols case, no one intervened to stop them. Not one officer says this is ridiculous or this is outrageous. No one intervened. Now, we've done a did, very did, thorough investigation. Did, did they have a warrant? No warrant. No warrant exists. No warrant presented. No evidence of a warrant. So, suppose a drug raid, but you have no warrant. That's what they do in Rankin County, Mississippi. They do what they want. Despite the overwhelming tide against police brutality, you would think, well, they would want to be conscious of this. No, but it's a permanent, arrogant mentality that cannot even be rooted out when they see other officers go to jail. This has to be rooted out by these six white deputies going to jail. I mean, I want to see them charged and headed to prison the way those black officers. They should be as hard on these white six deputies as mm -hmm. they are on the six uh, uh, black officers that uh, were responsible for Nichols' death in Memphis. Uh, are these officers still uh, on, on the streets? Uh, are they put on administrative leave? 
um, we don't know their status right now. So the sheriff, the sheriff, we, we, they're, the sheriff not, they're not in jail. The, the sheriff hasn't communicated. The sheriff is now investigating. The sheriff is investigating. Uh, the, the reports are that the deputies are lawyering up. Uh, and I can say that the MBI, many people have issues with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. But from what I saw in the interview with Michael and Mr. Terrell, I think that they're doing an honest investigation. And the MBI promised me yesterday that if, that, uh, if this is, as he says it is, Jenkins and Parker, that if it is as he says it is, then, then they're going to give them up because they, they're saying that they make all cops look bad, and I know that they do. Um, the family has started the uh, GoFundMe because they, obviously they have legal fees, they have medical expenses as well, correct? GoFundMe, yes. GoFundMe is Michael Corey Jenkins on GoFundMe. Michael Corey yeah, folks, Jenkins. Do y'all have it there? Uh, go ahead and pull it up. On GoFundMe. Michael Corey Jenkins on GoFundMe. Um, th this, I mean, the, th the thing here with these stories, and we've been um, talking about just case after case after case, um, it this is why you have to have an extensive George Floyd Justice Act, but you also have got to have states, counties, and cities moving aggressively because at the end of the day, uh, these things have not subsided. They continue. Okay, and that's where, that's where attorneys come in. That's where community activism and community organizers come in. Uh, in the state of Mississippi, I do want to give credit for the great organizing efforts that the community has done to, to uh, help on the local level. So therefore, I have to thank uh, uh, the New Black Panther Party. I have to thank the Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club. I have to thank all the, the Mississippi activists from uh, uh, um, the, on Jaheim McMillan's case. Bless them. Um, um, down there in Brookhaven, Mississippi. D. Monterio Gibson and his mama, they got those officers charged mm -hmm. on, on murder charges. This comes from, from, from the efforts of the grassroots movements that, you know, that I'm a part of. So it's, it takes a collective effort and hopefully things are changing. But I can promise you that Mississippi is the top battleground as we go into 2023. When it comes to police violence, and racial violence, Mississippi is the top battleground. Folks, uh, Mary Jenkins is uh, Michael Corey Jenkins' mother. So that, that's, uh, that's the actual GoFundMe. You put Michael Corey Jenkins in, look for Mary Jenkins. Again, they've already, uh, the goal is to raise about $30,000. They're at $15,600 uh, because, again, uh, he is going to have extensive medical uh, expenses. Uh, he's still in the hospital. Have they given? Um, he was out the hospital. He's, he's he, the was hospital? At, he appeared at okay, our news conference it. yesterday. He appeared. How, how long did he spend in the hospital? He was in the hospital, uh, that's almost three weeks. Mm -hmm. Three weeks. He had several surgeries that were, he almost lost his life several times. I mean, his arteries, several surgeries to repair bleeding arteries. I mean, he barely made it out of there. Otherwise, Michael Jenkins would be. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> 
That's not how it goes. That's not how anything goes. Envy's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Poster. Mm. Right now. All right. Uh, Malik, keep us abreast of what happens next. Okay. Um, Khalid Muhammad. You said one time on your show that Khalid Muhammad, that you had talked so strong to yeah, Khalid I'm going to interview with the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Yeah, yeah, but... And, and what we did was... Uh, tell I, me about I, that. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, it was, I was writing a cover story, a story on him. He came to speak to the uh, uh, Nation of Islam in Fort Worth, and I was, he went to Wheatley High School in Houston, uh, and then he wanted to be a preacher growing up. And so we were doing the interview, uh, and then, of course, when then we, uh, he said, what's up with all these personal questions? And I was like, Khalid, let's go off the record. And we went off the record. And me and him, me and him uh, uh, went at it, and then he said, let's go back on the record. And from that point to the day he died, he told his folks, whenever he calls, put his phone call through. Hashim Naziga, who was Steve Washington, knew about that phone call as well. And from that point, me and Kyle were fine. Okay, and then we, now and, I can and, believe, now I can believe y'all had a private conversation. And it was, and it was, and I can believe that, I can believe that y'all worked it out and he said leave Oh yeah, we had, we had no issues. But I do not believe, you're my brother now. I can guarantee you, you that. You do not believe, but I'm just telling you what he told me. Now he, well, I, when I, he I, came I, back and, because I was in Dallas, he told me, he said, he said that you were scared to death in that. Ah! He said that you were scared to death and shaking when you came meeting, out that meeting. First of all, it wasn't a meeting. We were on the phone. So that's right there. Well, wasn't what, a meeting. What, whatever, it was a phone call. Okay, well, that's what he said. Well, and I get... Meeting I, on the phone. I, I, whatever I, I, whatever I, context I, I, I was. guarantee you. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't afraid of him. Wasn't afraid of uh, H. Rap Brown. Wasn't afraid of Obama. <laughs> well, I'm just... And I'm telling you right I'm now. I'm just telling you what the man well, said. So maybe he might... And I don't know what meeting he's talking about, but I can tell you, I can tell you right now exactly what I said, and when Skip Gates came to College Station and did the exact same thing when I was in college, I did the exact same thing to Skip Gates sitting in the College Station Hilton. I ain't never been able to challenge anybody. Okay, and that's but, also why... But, but I'm just, I'm just and, telling you what he told me. Well, I'm, I'm he te- told me it didn't go anything well, like the way I, you said. Well, I, I can guarantee you uh, he knows. He knew exactly what happened, but okay. but, but but the bottom line was I made it perfectly clear. You know like, I had to ask. You know no, he's my I, man, I, no, so I had no to ask you about ain't that. Ain't no problem. Ain't okay, no problem. You know he's my man. I my, got you. My mentor. I got you. Okay. And but, it's, it's, it's and, it's, and it's just, just like again uh, when, uh, when when you went at George Curry in Houston uh, about <laughs> uh, that piece on Farrakhan, and he told you what Farrakhan said, and you were like, "What? Farrakhan's right there as well." And guess what? Me and George, we were the same. Hey, we you, went there. Look. I just, I respect what you're doing on this police stuff here. I do. And what you're covering, I honor you for honoring Michael Jenkins and, and his struggle. And also, ba- are you going to talk about Bagley? Oh, we got all that. Bagley, okay. That's yeah. a hell- Somebody else coming on to talk about no, that? No, no, no. I got my panel. That's coming up next. Okay, yeah, Bagley. That's a hell of a case there. Yeah, we had, uh, we had this returning on two days ago. That's a hell of a case. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Hey, we got it. Thank you, family. You, know, you, you, know, you know, I'm always swinging now. All right, well, you know, we had, to, we had to get it in on this it's, today. It's all good. Thank you so much. It's all good. All right, all right got to go to a break. We'll be back. Rolling Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. All right. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. 
Next on Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, listen to this. Women of color are starting 90% of the businesses in this country. That's the good news. The bad news, as a rule, we're not making nearly as much as everyone else. But joining us on the next Get Wealthy episode is Betty Hines. She's a business strategist, and she's showing women how to elevate other women. I don't like to say this openly, but we're getting better at it. Women struggle with collaborating with each other. And for that reason, one of the things that I demonstrate in the uh, sessions that I have is that you can go further together if you collaborate. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm B.B. Winans. Hi, I'm Kim Burrell. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble.
I got you. All right, folks, let's talk with our panel right here, our Thursday panel. You that way. Here you go. There you go. There you go that way. All right. All right, Malik, and I keep trying to, we live TV. Uh, we can have the rest of that conversation later. All right, let's get with it. Uh, Erica Savage, The Reframed Brain, uh, Reese Cobra, Black Women's Views, Dr. Greg Carr, Department of African-American Studies at Howard University. Uh, these two stories right here, we cover so many of these. And what, what we're dealing with here is, again, in one case, quick justice, if you will, in that that officer has now turned himself in, negligent homicide. We're still waiting uh, uh, the Michael uh, Corey Jenkins. And, and the, the thing here, Reese, is for all the folk who keep saying, oh, you know, I um, mean, these are these are few bad apples. Yeah, but folks still end up dead. Or with considerable medical challenges, like your prior guest was just talking about. It's just the judge-jury-executioner escalation that just continues to be completely unconscionable, yet more and more common um, with Mr. Alonzo Bagley. Okay, so it started off of what? I mean, to me, the, the, the black lady at the beginning of the body cam was more disruptive than Bagley. But, I mean, I'm not saying shoot her, but I'm just saying, like, what was really the problem? Like, it was <coughs> but, a so-called domestic <laughs> disturbance. But, but what's nuts with me with the Bagley story, Erica, is that why... Okay, he takes off. He, he's not brandishing a weapon. Why you shoot him? <coughs> I mean, what? She, the woman said he's been drinking. You know where he lives. Why fire the weapon, and then you hear the officer crying, oh, my God, keep breathing, keep breathing. Oh, now, now you have care? Oh, God, we know what this is. And, <coughs> you know, as, as many of these that we continually see, it doesn't get any easier, and it does not um, raise to the level of these individuals, meaning those who chose law enforcement as their field, it does not align with humanity at all. Like, and we've said this on this program, and I believe Greg has talked about this extensively, it's hunting. They're hunting. And so while people are being entertained with things that really don't, you know, factor into our own humanity and ensuring that uh, the rights that we have are content or that are enshrined in the Constitution are protected, we're continuing to see this. So it does say something about, um, a lot about race. It does say something about people who go into these jobs and feel that they have license to shoot and kill black children, black women, and black men, and black seniors. They don't give a fuck. And they're not being checked. They're being protected. This, this whole kind of thought that, well, there's um, reforming, that there's some type of training that can be taken. There's nothing to be reformed or to be uh, or to be trained. These are state-sanctioned terrorists, and they will carry out an exact violence on anybody that they damn well please with little to no repercussions, only in the event that those people that are committing those offenses are Black, and it raises to the level of social media, and there's a demand for justice. So... Unless we want to continue with this cycle, which I said that we actually don't have the capacity to continue in, unless we want to get very serious about how our vote, though people may go rolling their eyes, shrugging their shoulders, talking cash money shit, until they want to be in this very same spotlight or be in this family, we have to engage it. Because it is one thing 
that is keeping us alive. You know, Greg, um, when we talk about these cases, um, and, and let me be real clear, I've always said this, body cameras are not the panacea. They are not the be-all to end-all. But the one thing they do give us, they give us when, they're, when they have not been, first of all, when they stay on and when they're not covered up, they give us the audio and the video of what happened. And what it does is it debunks the lies that we often see in the police reports. That's right, Roland. It all works together. Those killers in Memphis, had it not been for the stationary camera they weren't aware of, they'd be having their lives. As you said, they turned their cameras toward the ground. And, 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 and you know, you, you, you frequently cite Dr. King's Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community. And as you well know and have explained many times on these airwaves, he's got a chapter in there about the white liberals. And whether you call them liberal or conservative, whether you call them open racist or soft white racist, whether it be the racists there in Rankin County. And by the way, y'all, you ain't never going to see anybody talk about Khalid Muhammad, my friend and brother ancestor now, Khalid Muhammad, with one of his deputies, my friend, uh, brother Malik Zulu-Shabazz, and confronted the way Roland did. You're never going to see that anywhere else in media. So y'all just be very clear about what this space is about. But whether it be those racists out there in Rankin County, east of Jackson, where they basically are just running rough shot without the cameras, or at least we don't know yet where they have them, or over here in Louisiana with Alonzo Bagley, you see, those white boys there in Louisiana, as Erica said, they're hunting their killers. And we heard the script of what happens. They shot because that is what they think of us, black boys, girls, women, and men. Prince had a song, uh, 19, uh, what was it called? Radical Man, 2049. He said, schooled in the art of digital games. When the war broke out, they called your name. This is a 23-year-old white boy in terms of Alexander Tyler who grew up probably playing video games. He's been shooting at black people since he could hold a controller. So anyway, the first thing you do is shoot somebody. And then you heard the defense that Dr. King was talking about and where do we go uh, from here, chaos of community. I I'm not a racist. Uh, as the man is laying there dying, realizing, no, 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 meaning I'm about to be added to the list. Come on, dude, as he's saying, what does the white boy start saying? You're good, bruh. He calls him bruh. Why? Because he's used to playing video games, calling people bruh. Call his favorite athlete in Mississippi, bruh. And he says, keep breathing, dude. Keep breathing, dude. You're going to be all right. Stay with me. Stay with me. That whole damn language you hear on Chicago PD and Law and & Order and all that old bullshit. Why? Because they are looking at us not as humans. You shoot at them, and then you realize, oh, shit. And that's when Dr. King would say, they are more dangerous than the open racists. Why? Because he's going to say, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, 20 23 years old? I got students 23 years old. What the hell are you doing on the police force? Because you've grown up in life thinking black people aren't human, and it's all fun and games till the man is dying mm -hmm. in the street, at which point, stay with me, bro. Go to hell. Fry him. Fry him. Yes. Now you pay yes. with your life. Lock you up for life or give you what you gave him. But his defense is going to be, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. The white liberal <coughs> worst of well, uh, like the case uh, out of uh, Minneapolis, uh, I didn't mean to do it. Unfortunately, uh, we have seen uh, that happen uh, far too often, folks. Folks, And so uh, we'll keep you all abreast of what happens with these two, these two cases out of Louisiana and Mississippi as well. All right, folks, uh, we tell you elections matter. Well, guess what? In Wisconsin, liberals have an opportunity to actually take over the state Supreme Court. Y'all heard us on this show talk about how vital judges are. We're going to explain that coming up next and why the black vote could very well be the difference 
something Mandela Barnes and his white campaign managers clearly didn't understand. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, uh, share button on Facebook, as well as the Black Star Network app, and download the Black Star Network app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network every week. We'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation. Oh. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. On the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Houston. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Folks, uh, when we talk about what is happening with voter suppression in this country, the closing of early voting locations, we can go on and on and on. One of the battlegrounds is what? The state Supreme Court. Remember, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled, this right-wing court ruled, that they can't get involved in political gerrymandering. They say it's left up to the states. Well, that's a problem when you have state Supreme Courts that are gerrymandered as well. Wisconsin has been one of those battlegrounds. The numbers don't lie. Republicans have actually rigged the elections there in Wisconsin. Numerous stories have shown that if Democrats got, a fi got 55% of all the votes in Wisconsin, 
they would still be in the minority in the legislature. You have a Democratic governor right now. What did the Republicans do that control the legislature? Stripped him of a lot of his powers. That's what they have done. But guess what? Now, that could very well change if Democrats take control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Right now, the right wing has a four to three majority. But a seat is up for grabs belonging to a retiring conservative justice. Now, liberals in Wisconsin say they have an opportunity to make a change. Judge Everett Mitchell, Judge Jennifer Doral, former Supreme Court Justice uh, Dan Kelly, and Milwaukee County Judge Janet uh, uh, uh I hope this is pronounced her last name, they're running in the February 21st primary. Judge Mitchell hopes to become the first black man elected to be a Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice and the second to serve on the court. Democratic Governor Jim Doyle appointed uh, former Justice Lewis Butler in 2004. Uh, Judge Everett Mitchell joins us right now. Uh, obviously, folks on the right realize, Judge, that this is important. Are you seeing Democrats properly fund candidates? Are they uh, really hitting the grassroots to get people to understand that the Wisconsin Supreme Court dictates so much that if you have a change in the Wisconsin court, you will then see what happened, same thing that happened in North Carolina when Democrats took control of the state Supreme Court there and began to rule against racial gerrymandering and ruling against voter suppression. Well, thank you so much for having me. I will say that uh, I'm honored to be here. And yes, I spent the majority of my campaign really on the ground uh, as a part of really trying to translate the Supreme Court and its impact on everyday Wisconsinites, especially those uh, in the urban areas, Milwaukee, Dane, Racine, Kenosha, La Crosse, and really trying to translate the power of the vote and the necessity for us to make sure that we're mobilizing and listening to those communities that are often affected and disaffected and separated and marginalized uh, from being able to access to vote and also their voice being minimalized in the process. So, you know, we've been hitting the ground this entire time, making sure that people understand this is important and why this is going to be history-making for us to be able to elect, you know, the first African-American or person of color to serve on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, because representation uh, matters. It matters a lot. Um, we saw what happened uh, in the U.S. Senate race in 2022. 50,000 fewer African-Americans voted in Milwaukee than they did in 2018. I had activists on the show who said there was no significant um, voter outreach from the Mandela Barnes campaign, which is astonishing uh, to me. Are you focused on Milwaukee? Are you really walking folks through there to get black folks there to understand that if they turn out uh, in a significant way, they could be to make the difference? Yeah, I, I, I tell my wife all the time, I, I should have bought another house in Milwaukee because we spend so much time on the ground there. You know, in faith communities, I've been, I'm a pastor, so I get a chance to go inside our churches to talk to our pastors and talk to our community leaders, our grassroots organizations, uh, spending time. I was endorsed early by Block, Block, Black Leaders Organizing for Change for Communities. And it's been that moment. Ever since then, I've been, you know, ingrained in the moment of talking to all of them from treetops all the way down to the grassroots about the importance of this race, you know, running into that necessity of blackness because I need their votes. I need them to be able to see this as a moment 
moment. And sometimes since the November 4th election, the, the biggest question I've been asked over and over again, even though I'm a, a judge that's been elected twice here in Madison, I'm often get this question, well, since Mandela lost, can a black man win a statewide election? And my answer is always yes. You've done it twice already. And you did it to him the first time. So the goal is to make sure that we give them something that they can believe in, somebody that they has actually done and fought for the betterment of our community and done things that they can believe is going to change our community if you give me the power to be able to be in that seat. You know, do the things I've done in Dane County, take handcuffs off of kids, be able to transform, uh, put trauma-informed practices in place so that we see reduction in car thefts. Listen, I don't brag about how many people I've locked up. I brag about how many futures I've saved. Um, one of the things that we have tried to do with this show is to really walk people through and connect the dots to get them to understand why judges matter. As, you, as, you, as you're out there, uh, are you having to do a lot of that or are people really understanding uh, the power that a state Supreme Court justice will have? I keep telling people, uh, all the people who would say, oh, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, that's just performative by, pre by President Biden. I'm like, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. The power of a, of a single federal judge, when you're talking about a state Supreme Court justice, you are the final arbiter of laws in the state of Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah, I think that is the, that is the gift that we're trying to use to translate to individuals. I think it depends on uh, how people think, because often people think that judges, you know, one, they don't, they don't look like me. So then secondly, uh, it's translating this sense that the courts are an important process of being able to receive justice. And so many of our people have felt like courts and court system and judges, one, don't represent them, that they don't see fairness in it. And so they disconnect from the entire process because they don't see themselves connected to the overall justice outcomes that they want. So what I've spent time doing is showing them that representation matters. The, the outcomes that I've seen as a Dane County Circuit Court judge, when they tell me, well, it don't even matter if I vote, I said no, because if you had not voted, you wouldn't have voted for me. And being in that position gives you the power to be able to set the agenda in a manner that brings fairness and equality in real time rather than just kind of vague statements about what justice can look like. So it is very important, it's very crucial that uh, the translation of these cases, you know, voting rights and fair maps and reproductive choice or other things like, you know, how we work with our young people to make sure that they're going and being successful throughout the court system to make sure that they're not just broken kids that we send up to traumatize into the adult system. All of those kinds of things can be changed, but you have to have a voice at the table that is able to bring that and make it matter the most to them. Questions from the panel. Erica, you're first. Yes, Judge Mitchell, thank you so much for being on. The question that I have for you, you mentioned that you are a pastor um, and so that you spend time speaking with um, other members of clergy, uh, faith leaders. Because of the pandemic, COVID-19, and there's been a, um, a, the attendance for people in church has dwindled somewhat. Have you found that that has been a barrier to get out your message? It sounds from what you're sharing with us, um, especially with the comment that your wife made about getting a second home in Milwaukee, that you're definitely on the ground. You all are doing that work, but specifically to a community that has been leaned on heavily for GOTP efforts. What are you finding there in messaging to the community with your primary coming up so quickly? I think what is winning the most is this idea that justice is not just what you say, justice is what you do. 
that a lot of the members in our community, they feel this fatigue of trusting people that don't always bring good results back to their communities. So, you know, going back to the faith communities, going to, you know, the I'm, a, I'm an Omega, and Omega Psi five member, so hitting the... Oh, right, now, you, now, let's, look, you, let's be real clear, you should be making those kind of pronouncements on this show. I mean, you, you should have just, like, I, left that out. I, I couldn't leave that out. I had to put that out there. No, nah, you could you could left that out. But I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and finish. But uh, <laughs> j just so you understand, uh, this right here stays on this set. Just so you understand. Right there. I understand, I yeah. Understand, but yeah. I, but this one is going to be uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. <laughs> that, 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 that's cute. But, but trust me, I'm going to think you're going to need some alpha votes. But go on right ahead. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> but, but, that, but, but, as, but, but I think that is the, those untapped potentials that, you know, what we have learned from, you know, Mandela's race was the idea that we must engage all groups. We have to make sure we're hitting faith, Panhellenics, making sure that we're talking to... The, I talked to the links today, uh, you know, going to community centers, talking to veterans. I spend time talking to a lot of veterans about their stories and about what they want to see, talking to... I go to bus stops. I go to community centers, barbershops, Everywhere that we are communicating together, I'm there having that conversation so that they can see and touch a justice. Sometimes I'm the first black judge that many of our communities have ever touched before. So whether I'm in spaces and giving hugs and, you know, sometimes I take my black robe with me and I'll take, go see some kids and I'll take my robe and put it on them, zip it up, have their mamas take pictures and just let them know this is who you can be in the future. And I think that vulnerability, that touch is what's giving the momentum for people to say, maybe we can do this one more time and give the energy to come out for this young man and vote. Uh, let me now go to my alpha brother, Dr. Greg Carr. Oh, yes, sir. Why y'all team? Y'all teaming up on me now? That's all right, brother. We go look. We got to <laughs> we go power an omega with alpha power. So we okay. already know that, brother. You know we got to turn out. That's really what I want to ask you, Judge. Uh, we know that one of these guys you're running against, and is it, is it the top two go on if if not? But uh, this guy Kelly, he was on the Supreme Court before, right? And I understand the billionaires are trying to back him. This Richard O'Hine and them pouring money in, probably gonna spend more than ten million dollars in this race. Could you talk to us about what your network needs and what you need in terms of financial support in what's going to be the most expensive race, certainly in the country? And a lot of people are saying, and I would agree with them, the most important race before the 2024 election, realizing that what's at stake could literally be the rest of the country in terms of democracy, with the whole question of whether or not this Wisconsin state legislature is going to be checked. Could you talk a little about what we, what you need from us in terms of financial support so you can write these checks to, to you, brother? Omega Sci-Fi, no, no problem. I ain't going to call you a youth group. That's what uh, Roland would say, but you know, yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Oh, go ahead. The, hate, the hate is real. The yeah, hate I don't want to hear my right coming from me either, brother, because I know he's going to get me if I say something about the Q. So. But, but what uh, do you need from us, brother? <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing about judges, we can't talk about donations. But I will say that, you know, I've been out-donated by a lot of liberal groups because, you know, they don't always see the promise of having uh, someone who can be as effective as I can be in bringing all groups together, you know. And so, you know, any any donations are appreciated because we need to be able to compete, get our message on TV, get across screens. But as we get past this primary, we know that there will be a consolidation of resources and so from inside and outside the state so that we can make sure that we have a consistent, powerful message. I think the message that we have and that one we've created and the story of my life has been one that has connected with all Wisconsinites, both rural and urban together. 
and uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Just getting on this show and making sure that this is something that we can push out to the uh, Milwaukee voters and get this in front of them so they can see that they have a choice. I started running this race, my brothers and sisters, is because I wanted to make sure that, you know, wealthy people behind the shadows don't get to make choices for our community. I wanted to ensure that our people, our community, all segments of Wisconsin had a choice of someone who comes to the table with an experience of poverty, homelessness, but also working hard to be transformed because you have supported black women in your life that believe in you and push you towards your destiny. And I want to return that favor back to the communities that I serve. Uh, quickly, uh, Reese, go. I just wanted to um, say, uh, have you run up in any, against any kind of pushback in terms of electability? I know with uh, Senator, or well, would-be Senator Mandela Barnes, Lieutenant Governor, losing, do you think that that has impacted uh, people's willingness to uh, support your candidacy? Yes, that's the first question I, hear, I heard right after November the 5th was this notion of, uh, can you, can a black man win if Mandela Barnes lost? And so what I've also told them is that, you know, we have to learn to move away from this idea of treating us all the same. You know, I have mm -hmm. a degree from Morehouse College, two degrees from Princeton Theological Seminary, and my, you know, my Jewish doctorate from the University of Wisconsin-Madison Law School. My achievements are should speak for themselves and the accomplishments that we've had here in my city to reduce juvenile car thefts by 47 percent, taking handcuffs off of children implementing these trauma-informed cares that is changing the destiny and face so that we're not sending more people up in the criminal justice system is a reminder that pay attention to the content of who people are and not just the judgment of aligning us and believing we're all the same. Our strategies are different. Our outcomes can be different because we have uh, lived different paths. So, it, yes, I run into it, but I continue to have a message of success to remind people that we have, you know, we voted for a black man statewide before. He had a name that everybody wasn't familiar with, but we, we got behind him. And because of that, he changed the destiny of our nation. And I think we have an opportunity to do the same here for our court system and for the children who look into the mirror and need to see a reflection of them at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. All right, Judge Everett Mitchell, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, good luck. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, as we always say, uh, onward and upward. But that, that, that's, that's, that's an alpha slogan. You can't, you can't say that, but I'm just going to say onward and upward. We'll, we'll go ahead and, you know, get, extend that, extend, we'll extend the alpha hand to you uh, with onward I'm and upward. Uplift. I'm going to give you some uplift. We're going to give you some uplift, my brother. Oh, well, well it's, 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 you know, it's a little hard to have uplift when you're already on top. <laughs> Always remember, Judge, Alpha's your daddy. Oh. All right. <laughs> we, got to, we got to go. Good luck. Thank you, friend. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. All right, y'all, we come back. I told y'all about contract negotiation, the HBCUs. Well, my man, Scotty, Offscript TV, he got his hands on the SWAC, the, uh, the SWAC deal with ESPN. Y'all gonna be shocked to see how little the swag is getting from ESPN. That's next on Rolling Mart Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.
Star Network is here. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. Uh, thank you for being the voice of Black America. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, a relationship that we have to have. We're often afraid of it and don't like to talk about it. That's right. We're talking about our relationship with money. And here's the thing. Our relationship with money oftentimes determines whether we have it or not. The truth is you cannot change what you will not acknowledge. Balancing your relationship with your pocketbook. That's next on A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, here at Black Star Network. Most people think that these television shows that, that tell stories about who we are as black men, and then they paint these monolithic portraits of us, they think that they're being painted by white people. And I gotta tell you, there are a whole bunch of black folk right. that, are, that are the creators, right. the head writers, right. the directors of all of these shows, and that are still painting us as Monoliths. The people don't really want to have this conversation. No, they don't. This is Essence Atkins. Hey, I'm Dion Cole from Blackish. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Glad we're back, uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. So, I remember several months ago, I said on this show that if you do not have the expertise at negotiating deals, go hire the people who do have the expertise. Um, you, you all this talk about Southwestern Athletic Conference being uh, a power conference and how much money is being generated, things along those lines. Well, uh, my man Scotty with Offscript TV uh, actually got his hands on the SWAC's actual contract with the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Now, now keep in mind, when we talk about media rights deals that ESPN has with the Big, Big Ten uh, and, and the Pac-12 Pac and the, the Big 12 and the SEC, we're talking billions of dollars. We're talking billions of dollars. Texas and Oklahoma just agreed to give the Big 12 $100 million so they can leave one year early. You don't cut a check for $100 million unless you know you're going to make that money back. So how much is the SWAC actually getting from ESPN for their deals. Well, Scotty joins us right now. Of course, Scotty is a contributor for the Black Star Network. Uh, so, Scotty, you've, uh, and on your end, you, uh, so you can pull up on your end, you can, correct? Well, because something you pull, like you're doing your show. Uh, you can do that, right? 
Yeah, I, right. I, no, I ain't know I had to do it, but I got you. Scott, that's, Scott that's what you did the last three times you've been on the show. Come on now, this ain't like, you know, you know see, look at you. Look, see, come on. I didn't know you was going to have me bring it Scott, up. Scott, was, Scott, I, Scott, you, did, Scott, did you bring it up last time? You're right, I did. Did you bring it up the previous time before that? That, that's, yeah. And once right. before that? You're right, that's, you're right. Thank you, I thought so. All right, so let's get, let's get, let's get right to it. All right. How, first of all, how much is the, how much is ESPN paying the SWAC for their media rights deal? And this is not just football, correct? No, it's, uh, it's, I think it's for all the events. It's kind of for all events, but so it's for So 13 different sports, right? Yeah, they, they have, they're able to grab whatever they want in their, like, championship-wise or a certain game or anything like that, but it's usually focused around basketball and football. So, so basketball, football, baseball, all, so 13 different sports. How much is the check that ESPN is cutting the entire conference? Uh, $400,000. Uh, the, the previous, the whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold up. Did you say is that four hundred thousand per school? No, no, no. The contract in in totality. Four hundred. Okay, how many SWAC schools are we talking about? Twelve. There's twelve now. So you have you have two different contracts. You have the first one before FAMU and Bethune Cookman came, which was four hundred thousand, and then you have the amendment that was just signed in 2021. Which is of seven hundred thousand. So that's where we're at now. But the first contract was four hundred thousand. And the first contract was four hundred thousand dollars for how many schools? Ten. Now we're talking seven hundred thousand for twelve schools. Yes. And what people also don't understand, ESPN is not paying the production cost of these games. The schools are sending them their signal, right? Yes, they're sending. So the, the school, they do the production, so they videotape the game, and then they send the signal to ESPN. Okay, and we talk about these games. The, the games are not being shown on ESPN or ESPN2. Basically, what ESPN is doing is they're driving these to their ESPN Plus platform, which folks actually have to pay to get. So, what is that fee per month? Uh, I believe they went up, so I think it's nine ninety nine now. So, so in order to get it, you got to pay nine ninety nine a month. So yes, let's sir. so let's so let's let's say that that that, that that's, that's ten bucks. So that means that let's just say let's just say for the sake of a, a round number, let's just say twenty thousand SWAT fans subscribe to ESPN's digital platform uh, to see their games. That means that if, if, I, if I pull up my, if I pull up my calculator here, sure. that means that, and I'm just gonna just, and y'all, this is just some rudimentary math here. We're just gonna just go ahead. Let me, let me, let me do this, put, do the screen share. I just want y'all to see that. So that means that if, uh, if 20,000, if 20,000, 25,000, SWAC fans spend, get a year subscription at $10 a month. That's $120 a year, right? Yep. I'm sorry. I, I, I think that number was wrong there, Scotty. Hold up. If, if 25,000 SWAC fans spend $10 a month with, or $120 a year uh, on ESPN's digital platform, 
That's $120. That means that ESPN is generating $3 million in revenue from those 25,000 SWAT fans. And the whole conference, they're only getting 700,000 back from ESPN. That's correct. That's, 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 that's the numbers. Like they say women lie, men lie. Numbers don't lie. In any world, how is that a smart deal? It's not. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to understand your market value in the ESPN world and ESPN Plus. You have a whole base of fans that you have been cultivating since 1920. That's, that's when the SWAT conference was initiated, 1920. So you have a base of fans. That's not even the conference. That, that's that, adding the schools and moving up from D2, going to D1. You've been cultivating fans for the last 100 years. So when they ask you to bring all your content towards ESPN+, Plus, that means as well as all the eyes that come along with it. And 20,000, row, that's chump change. That's chump. I mean, that's, that's on the super light. And that's if you really, really want. You know it's over at least half a million viewers. Easily. And then when you renegotiate this contract in 2021 and you add Dion, you add FAMU, you add Bethune-Cookman, you only see the need to go up $300,000? So how long is this contract? Till 2025. Till 2025. And does this is just 700 each year. Does it ever get to a million? No, it does not. And I have the... Um, I have it pulled up whenever your team is ready. No, go ahead. No, because no, no. you pull up on your end, we'll show it live on our end. Go ahead. Okay, let me share my screen. Uh, Y'all, you guys got this fancy stuff over here. Let me see if I can find it. No, can't find it. But um, I'm going to email it to your people so they can bring it up on your I'll, I'll just do this here. First of all, I'm going to go, go switch, 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 back to your, switch back to your screen. Uh, we're going to actually go to a break in a second. Uh, we're going to okay. come back. So see if you can pull up in the break. Uh, and, and the reason I'm walking through this, people, is because other department, other school athletic departments, they're building new facilities based off of these media deals. We're now living in a digital world. Y'all just saw me do the math. So imagine if the SWAT says, look, and, and let me be real clear, y'all, for everybody who's watching, I need y'all to understand. When we say ESPN's digital platform, that literally is no different than the Black Star Network's OTT platform. That's literally no different than us being on, sending our signal, and we're on Amazon News uh, and other platforms. It's no different than HBCU League Pass. It's no different than the other platforms out there. If you tell people where to go, they're going to go to see it. And then what ESPN is doing, they're not even showing you the things that you actually want to see, like the halftime show. And in fact, if you watch the Celebration Bowl, you know what they did? You saw some of the halftime, but they actually said, go to the ESPN Plus app if you want to watch the halftime show. So if you're the SWAC, why aren't you creating your own SWAC digital network? And if you got 20,000 fans or 25,000 fans to say, we're going to show you all of these and you can generate the money for yourself, what are you actually getting from ESPN? 
that's worthy of $700,000. I'm going to go to a break. Uh, we're going to talk about this with our panel when we come back. Scotty will stay with us as well. Y'all, we always talk about where is our money. This is a bad deal. And I would love to have the SWAT come on the show and explain to me why this is a smart deal. $700,000 total for 12 schools? I'm, I'm, when we come back, I'm gonna tell y'all how much money we made on YouTube last year. We made more money on YouTube last year than a swag gets from ESPN. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, listen to this. Women of color are starting 90% of the businesses in this country. That's the good news. The bad news, as a rule, we're not making nearly as much as everyone else. But joining us on the next Get Wealthy episode is Betty Hines. She's a business strategist, and she's showing women how to elevate other women. I don't like to say this openly, but we're getting better at it. Women struggle with collaborating with each other. And for that reason, one of the things that I demonstrate in the uh, sessions that I have is that you can go further together if you collaborate. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat, the Black Tape, with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. Hi, I'm Eric Nolan. I'm Shantae Moore. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
All right, folks, we're talking with Scotty from Offscript TV. You can check out his YouTube channel, subscribe as well. Uh, Scotty, so you got your hands on, the, on this SWAT contract that's showing how much uh, they're making. And look, several years ago, the SWAT was almost bankrupt. I mean, they were simply not making any money. And, and the thing is, we're now just living in a totally different world. And, and here's what I fundamentally believe, which, which is no doubt, and I've talked about this here. I believe that in many ways, we as African-Americans are falling for the okey-doke of exposure. I think people are getting hyped by, oh, it's ESPN. Here's the problem. You're on the app. Your games are... How, how, I mean, at the end of the day, how many actual SWAT games are being shown live on ESPN 1 or ESPN 2? I'm not talking about on tape delay at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm talking about live. We're not talking about a lot of games, are we? No, uh, in the season, probably two. Uh, you have the Miak and Swag. You have the Miak and Swag Challenge that gets put on ESPN2. Uh, you have the Celebration Bowl that was put on ESPN2. And then you have the Celebration Bowl. So about three games. Uh, and most of those are all ESPN events. So ESPN has a part to play in yeah, setting the yeah, 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 those two are. So, so let's say um, uh, the, the Florida, the Florida A&M Jackson State game was that on ESPN one or two? I believe it was on ESPN three. Yeah. So just Miak and Swack and the Celebration Bowl, ESPN two. Uh, and so again, so this this idea that you're getting this level of exposure, you're actually not. You're not to the extent of where you want it to be, right? Because they feel like this. If you're, if I already know that I got your eyes locked on ESPN Plus, or I, I know that I can funnel you there and you won't make a peep about it because you're just happy to be on ESPN, then they don't have a problem charging you, putting you behind a paywall and making you pay to go see something that they can put on their own, that the, that the schools can show themselves. Because literally, that's what they're doing. They're showing the game, and they're sending the stream to ESPN, and all they're doing is repackaging it and selling it back to you. But you also, we're now sort of now living in a whole different world. So, so here's the question. Versus, okay, do a deal. I'm just curious if the SWAT uh, put, a, put, put, put out feelers and said, hey, uh, we'll, take, we'll take all comers. You got the NFL network out there. Uh, I mean, you've got you've got uh, you got Fox Sports out there. Again, you have other opportunities that are out there that, and, 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 I, and I just simply believe that in many ways we are not. You hear rappers talk about this all the time. We talk, we keep talking about what's for the culture, but I think we've got to learn to stop being so excited about white validation and realize that it comes down to the to, it comes down uh, to the money. I'm sorry. $700,000 for 13 sports and you're sending me the signal is not a lot, not a lot of money. I just need everybody to understand who's watching, okay? Last year on YouTube, we generated a million dollars in ad revenue off of YouTube. That means that this show generated, now granted, it cost us $2.6 million to run this show, run the network. So let's not, let's be real clear here. That means that we, as Black Star Network, four years old, my show is four years old. The network is a year and some change old. We generated more money in advertising from YouTube 
last year than the entire SWAC gets from ESPN, and they got 300000 less than we generated. It, it doesn't when it doesn't make any sense knowing how valuable live sports is in this commodity. You have Amazon, you have Apple TV paying for Major League Soccer. You know, nobody watches that. Okay, like it's it, football is America's pastime, and you have a base that is already rampant for their own football. So explain to me how you walk into a deal saying that we're only worth three hundred thousand dollars. When you just got Deion Sanders a touchdown in your conference and you added a perennial brand as FAMU, it doesn't make any sense. So you have the Florida market, you have all the Southern market in the same in the same geographical area as the SEC. So most Southern fans are LSU fans. Most Alabama fans are Alabama State and Alabama A&M fans. So you have the double flexibility in that. And you and you tell ESPN, you know what, just pay me three hundred thousand more dollars and we're good to go. That's 60K per school. That, that Come on. No. Yep, 60K per school. Wow. Questions uh, from uh, my panel. Uh, I'll start with the uh, Tennessee State graduate first. <laughs> thank you, Roland. In fact, uh, and thank you, Russ Scotty. This is so important, such an important conversation. I guess as I'm listening to you all talk about these numbers, I've w always wondered something about ancillary revenue streams. Um, I was at the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. You know, Roland was covering the whole thing. And man, all the sweatshirts and T-shirts and all the fly gear. And I'm saying, you know, I want to rock all that stuff, man. I'm wondering, is there a way for the SWAC to play off of this deal that they've negotiated and badly to generate alternative revenue streams and kind of capture some? Because it's a lot of money spent by folk who never touch an HBCU campus, but now they want to rock the VH, the T-H-E-E. Well, I, I always wondered about that. Well, there's a problem with that, Scotty. You can break it down because here's what a lot of people don't realize. There is a... A lot of these schools have signed deals with a major agency out of Hollywood that literally does nothing to brand HBCUs. And the schools are paying a fee. And this, this, gr this, this group is supposed to be going out doing licensing deals. Yep. And they basically... Ain't done nothing for many of these HBCUs, right, Scotty? That's right. You're talking about this. You have two, two prominent ones that you hear about. Is you, we talked about it, Peak Sports. That was FAMU's agency, and then you have the CLC Collegiate Licensing uh, Corporation. So what they do is they they scoop all these brands up, and then if you're a person trying to make T-shirts or trying to make a, a brand from the schools, you go through them to get the license, and then whatever you make, you're supposed to give a revenue sharing back to the school. It could be 10%, it could be 50% of all your sales. Well, you have a two-part to that, because some people don't go through that process. If you go to a lot of uh, SWAT games, you'll see people on the side of the road selling right. merchandise. <laughs> That's not licensed material going back to the school. Or, you know, you have times where CLC does not collect what they're supposed to collect from the actual people. But you have a lot of HBC alums who do this so they make sure it's their business, like the Aaron, Anthony Lawrence collection, you know, public figure. You have all those guys who are graduates from said institutions, and they make sure they give back to their institutions. So, But you have the CLC collecting all these brands and making it hard and jump through all these hoops to be a part of these programs, and then they're not even doing their due diligence to make sure that money is being funneled back to the school. And this is what I keep saying about those schools. If you're cutting a check to CLC every year, 
you should be saying, what is our rate of return? What are we getting back? And if we're not seeing our products in local grocery stores, if we're not seeing them in the local Walgreens or the CVS where we are, then why are we paying you? And guess what? There are black companies out here who actually know what they're doing and they can actually do those deals. And so these schools are getting screwed. I know, I know of one company that has, has the rights to, to several HBCUs. They haven't even been on an HBCU campus and it's a white owned company. Reese. Yeah. No, I, I don't have any questions, really. I think you guys have it covered. It just sounds like it's an inadequate deal from my perspective. But... Erica? Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, a little harsh. Nice mug, um, Erica. Thank very you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about value and name, image, and likeness. And so... In terms of what you describe, how does this um, does this funnel down and impact those um, collegiate athletes that are looking for those type of deals to protect their name, image, and likeness as they're thrust into um, the spotlight and they're being very savvy with their own social media? I think for for the players, you know, the schools have to. Well, the schools can't do they can't facilitate, so you have to get alumni outside or. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council organizations to facilitate it but you need to do well with your local markets right because you're not in the situation of ohio state where you're on a national platform where everybody knows your name bryce young's and all those zeke elliott's and things like that so you have to do a great job of of mobilizing your local base the local car show, the local car dealer the local restaurant to allow those brands to facilitate the athletes to facilitate those brands because why they're the closest to you you know what i'm saying so when you go to a Southern game and you see a, um, a Jason Dumas or you see mm -hmm. uh, a Noah Bodden, those quarterbacks, well, they resonate with the Baton Rouge community because those are right. the people who are going to go see them. So you need Baton Rouge commerce to support that brand. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's a lot of people that do that. You have Karis South with Southern. I mean, they're like hand in hand. Um, so they do a good job, but you got to do a better job of getting these athletes out there as well. And Roland, let me say this. My issue is this, is that I, I said this on my channel. It always starts at the head man. If the head man doesn't have the vision or doesn't have the expertise to take you somewhere, there's always going to be a ceiling. It's no different than a mentor with a mentoree. You can't take me somewhere you haven't been. You can't negotiate on something you don't understand. So the process of how they're hiring the commissioners of these conferences is just as bad in the way that they're facilitating these deals because you're well, putting somebody... Well, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to actually push back a little bit on that. This is where also you've got to have presidents and ADs who Absolutely. know what the hell they're talking about. The reality is FAMU fires a, a, an athletic director, 
claiming he negotiated a deal with Urban Edge Network when he didn't. They signed their rights away to another organization and Urban Edge, which handles some advertising for us, they did a deal with that company. That was a lie. And so you had folks who were like, oh my God, like how did this FAMU car get in a NASCAR race? They didn't even have to talk to the university. The, the, people don't even realize how many of these universities are signing their deals away. When, when we talked about this last year, when I went to the, the UNCF, uh, the UNCF uh, conference, I had a president who came to me. They don't have a football team. He said, Roland, I was watching your show. He said, you know what I went and did? I went back and did exactly what you said. I pulled all of our contracts. Mm. I pulled our food contracts. I pulled our, uh, he pulled our janitorial contracts. I said they should be studying this. Here's the reality, and I know this for a fact. A number of SWAT presidents never even saw the ESPN deal. Absolutely. Which then says, hold up, they're supposed to be the ones who ratify the deal. So how are you doing, how are you even having deals that you haven't even voted on? Or you haven't even looked at? This is what I'm talking about. If you don't have people in the room Look, 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 look what just happened. Uh, 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 Southern and Jackson State are not playing that game in, in Birmingham because they determined financially it didn't make any sense for them. This is where I keep saying for African-Americans, whether we're talking about a conference, individual HBCUs, black churches, black organizations, uh, we've got to have people who are sitting at the table who literally have expertise in these areas. And if we don't, then we've got to say, let me go find some people who do so we can fully monetize and maximize our value. Otherwise, we're leaving money on the floor and other people are getting rich. And let me be real clear. There are a lot of people who are getting rich off of our HBCUs and not the HBCUs. No, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, it's just like any other commissioner. The the commissioner works for the president. So what the president's allowed, the commissioner is able to do. Um, so that's one. And, and at the end of the day, I've, you know, I have a show and I cover HBCUs and I have a good time doing it. But the crazy thing to me is I argue with HBCU alums. They tell me that, you know, when I tell them they're worth 100 million a year, they're worth 200 million a year, they they push back on me like, where are you coming up with these numbers? And I'm like, you don't value the black dollar. You don't value black eyes. You don't value a black audience because there's no way that you can lead FCS in attendance consistently. There's no way that blacks are the highest rated at watching television by far. And we have a, a, a trillion dollar buying power and you're telling me that we're our culture, what we do, that people copy, emulate, take away from us constantly. Is not mm -hmm. worth over a hundred million dollars a year. Why do you think they ask for the bands to come to the PWI schools? Because they don't do it like we do it. Why do you think they want the dancing girls there? Because they don't do it like we do it. So not having, not seeing value in that is beyond me. And for you to walk into a deal and just say, you know what? Just give us three hundred more thousand dollars and we'll be good. What can sixty k per school do for an HBCU? Folks, All Script TV, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Scotty, we surely appreciate you joining us. Breaking it down. Thanks a lot. Always time, always time, Ro. Appreciate you.
Folks, again, we're talking about you focus on the money. Either you know your value or you don't. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Amber Stevens West from The Carmichael Show. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. She is the ambassador to the United Nations for the United States, uh, Linda Thomas Greenfield. Uh, I had a chance to catch with her earlier today, talk about the first anniversary of Ukraine. We also, of course, talked about some other issues, Africa, Haiti, Ethiopia uh, as well. Here's our conversation. All right, Ambassador, let's get right to it. Uh, 2022, $113 billion uh, in aid, uh, various forms of aid provided to Ukraine from uh, the United States. Uh, a lot of folks, and whenever we deal with Ukraine, a lot of people in, in, in my audience, uh, they immediately say, why are we spending uh, that much money on Ukraine? That money could be going to African-Americans or other interests in the United States. How do you respond to that? Look, we're defending Ukraine's efforts to defend us. Russia's attack on Ukraine is an, an attack on democracy. It is an attack on all of our values. Uh, it is an attack on the UN's charter, whose the charter gives us the responsibility for peace and security around the world. And this fight is, is our fight. And if we don't defend Ukraine, we may be defend, have, having to defend this on our own borders. So this is a fight for America. It's a fight for, for the world. And it's keeping us at the moment from uh, being engaged on the ground ourselves uh, in this fight. 
Uh, obviously, uh, a, a ton of money, uh, but there still is no end in sight. And so you have Republican critics. Uh, you have folks, again, just regular, ordinary people who are saying, you know, how much long does it continue? Does the tab go to $200 billion, $300 billion? Uh, Again, you know, what do you say to folks who are concerned about that, about the amount of money that we're spending? Because, look, this could go on. You, you know, we don't know how long it could go on. Uh, Putin, uh, he clearly... Uh, has not responded to, to uh, the, the kind of pressure. Uh, this has not ended thus far. You know, this is going to have to go on as long as it, it takes for Ukraine to defend itself and for Russia to stop its aggression uh, against uh, Ukraine. And I think we've heard it said over and over again, freedom is not free. We have to pay for freedom. We have to fight for freedom, and that's what we're fighting for. Ukraine is a smaller country having been attacked by a larger neighbor. Russia is a bully, uh, and if Russia gets away with bullying Ukraine, then who will be next? And then who will be next after that? And suddenly, we're all engaged in this. So we have to stop this now, and we have to support Ukraine's efforts to defend itself. And it's been bipartisan. So there are people who, who have raised concerns, but the support for what the president is doing in Ukraine has been roundly bipartisan. And we have to continue to put Ukraine in a position where they can defend themselves and they're in a strong position when and if they are, uh, decide to go to the negotiating table. Um, a couple of things that also uh, jump out. I, I've had a number of folks uh, on, on social media, I even had them on the show, uh, talk about what, what has been happening in Ethiopia and the Tigray region. Um, we were talking about, obviously, uh, an African nation, uh, you know, uh, close to Sudan. We were dealing with an issue there as well. Um, that has been described in some ways as humanitarian crisis. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of Ethiopians in this country who are very concerned, who literally, who you know, hit me all the time saying, why is it more attention being paid? Can you uh, give folks... Uh, some perspective in terms of what the United States uh, has done in that in that part of the world, in, in that African Thank country? Good. Thank you so much for asking me that question, because it is an important question. And here in New York at the Security Council, I was uh, sometimes a lone voice at the council demanding that we address the issues that were occurring in Ethiopia. Uh, the massive killings, the human rights violations, the starvation, uh, the lack of humanitarian uh, assistance. And I will tell you over and over again, me and other members of the Security Council, I won't take all of the credit for it. We were all working to bring this before, uh, before the Security Council, and we were blocked. Uh, we, we were blocked by our Russian and Chinese colleagues, and we were blocked by efforts uh, made by Ethiopia to keep this off the council's uh, agenda. And we did get it on the council agenda. We did get briefings. We did call out uh, our concerns about the situation on the ground. But we could have done more. Uh, we should have done more because thousands of people died on both sides. Uh, there was no right side of this war. This was a war in which Ethiopians were fighting Ethiopians. It was brothers against brothers. Uh, so there was no right side. And I am uh, pleased at the moment that the ceasefire uh, that was forged in December is still standing. 
and that the fighting has stopped and that some uh, humanitarian assistance is uh, getting into the Tigray uh, region. But uh, this was something that, again, uh, uh, we all should have done more uh, to, to stop. Another area of interest, obviously, uh, is Haiti. Uh, this week, uh, we reported on uh, the indictments uh, that took place uh, for individuals who were arrested, 11 people uh, who were arrested as part of this conspiracy uh, to uh, assassinate uh, President Moise. Uh, that, uh, that, that has led to so much uh, upheaval there as well. Uh, what is the United States doing uh, to help, uh, beyond the prosecution from the Department of Justice, to help stabilize that country because these gangs are still uh, in control of what's happening there. Uh, we're still seeing massive unrest in Haiti. It is as if that country just can't get a break. Uh, again, another uh, question that I really appreciate. I have been actively engaged on Haiti. I traveled to, to Haiti to uh, the funeral of uh, President uh, Moise, and I've engaged quite a bit with members of Congress, uh, as well as with uh, Haitians on the situation on the ground there. We're working on this issue in the, in the Security Council to uh, come up with a, a security apparatus that is acceptable uh, to the Haitian people, uh, and one in which uh, we can get in there and provide the security that the Haitians need in order to uh, continue to live their lives. And uh, uh, we're working currently on a, a resolution uh, that will give support to a non-UN multilateral force that will go in to provide that assistance. We have worked with a number of countries who have volunteered uh, to send troops uh, in support of that effort. And uh, we're trying to move that as quickly as we possibly can. In the meantime, the United States, as you know, uh, we did arrest uh, uh, some of the individuals who have been accused to have been involved in the killing and assassination of uh, the president. And uh, we're continuing to support those efforts uh, through the FBI. When you talk about that secu that security apparatus, um, how many people were you talking? How many soldiers were we talking about? Uh, because again, uh, I've talked to um, Jacqueline Charles, a war runner reporter with the Miami Herald, uh, who, who spends a lot of time there, uh, and just how how people are just just frightened because, uh, in essence, uh, these gangs are aligned with the police. If you even have, have police in the military, so folks have absolutely no idea uh, who to trust in the call. And the kidnappings uh, continue as well, uh, you know, just is unabated. And so uh, are we talking, what, several thousand, five, ten thousand, twenty thousand? Uh, I can't give you a, a number. Countries will uh, uh, make decisions on how many troops that uh, they can contribute. And, you know, I don't even think we need 20,000 troops. We don't need 10,000 troops. We need uh, a contingent of troops who are committed to providing uh, security uh, and supporting the Haitian people. And that determination will be made by military people, by experts, not by uh, uh, diplomats. Uh, but they should know that we support their efforts. Uh, and has, will, you, will the United States be contributing uh, troops to that effort as well? The United States is working with uh, the various countries to determine what role we will play.
Uh, last question for you. We, uh, and this also ties to Haiti, the, the deportation issue has been in the United States has been uh, very controversial as well. Uh, and, and, and so, so what, what, what kind of, what are you getting from other countries uh, when they look at, again, you know, we've been sending folks back to Haiti, uh, deporting other folks because what's been happening on our border as well. Uh, there are some who still believe that there is inequality in terms of how black immigrants are being treated compared to immigrants from other countries, such as Cuba and other places along those lines. Well, this is, uh, as you know, an extraordinarily complicated uh, issue for us. And I was very pleased that the president did announce parole for Haitians that allow those Haitians and family members to be reunited, something that we've done similarly with other places in, in the world. Uh, and we're working to uh, address more, uh, more consistently the needs of, uh, of the Haitian people. Details about the de deportation, I'll, deportations, I'll uh, uh, encourage you to talk to our DHS about those, uh, but know that we are working to try to support as many Haitians as we possibly can through the parole system, but also support them on the ground in Haiti. Uh, last question for you. Uh, China spends an inordinate amount of money uh, on the continent of Africa. Uh, and a lot of people obviously are concerned about that in terms of being able to controlling so much. And, and one of the things that I've said is that in the United States, we look at that continent from a, again, from an aid standpoint versus an investment standpoint. Uh, seven of the 10 fastest growing economies uh, are, are, are on, on the, uh, in, in the motherland. Uh, and you have so many things going to be happening over the next 30 to 50 years. And so how is the United States position uh, to see African nations as economic partners uh, and not just simply uh, rendering aid for humanitarian crisis? Uh, because, again, if we're if we're just sort of looking at them that way, China's going to increase their foothold in these countries. You know, uh, I, we can't downplay the importance of humanitarian aid when people are in need. <clears throat> And Africans know. I, I had a conversation recently uh, with a, 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 an African leader who said, we know that Africa is in the heart of America and America is in the heart of Africa. And our support to the African people when they're in their time of need is never, ever questioned. But the point on development assistance, I was just looking at uh, our, our statistics for uh, imports and exports to, to Africa. We have an extraordinary program called the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act. Uh, the AGOA Forum is going to be hosted in South Africa this year. Through the AGOA uh, um, Act, more than $40 billion in exports from Africa to the United States and, and from the U.S. to Africa have taken place under AGOA in the past year. So we're engaged with Africa on the development and trade side as well. And while Africans uh, have a choice, we're not telling them what choice to make, but we're treating Africans as equal partners. The leader summit that the president hosted in December uh, last year was an extraordinary success. 
We had leaders from across Africa here in the United States engaging with American companies, uh, engaging with, with our leaders to talk about how we can take that partnership even, even for further. And it's a partnership that we uh, uh, tremendously appreciate. And I know on the African side, countries appreciate the partnership that they have with the United States. And are you seeing African-American businesses uh, also participate in that? I am. I think we can do more to encourage African-American uh, businesses to invest in, in Africa. We can do more to support their efforts. Uh, the Small Business uh, um, uh, Agency is one agency that I think can work with uh, African countries, but there are also huge African-American companies that could be investing in the continent. And I think we, and I put myself in that place, we have to do more to encourage those companies to uh, see the benefit of investing in Africa, and on the other side of this, encourage African countries to welcome African-American uh, businesses to the continent. Last question. This is Black History Month. As a young African-American who's watching, they may not know that Ralph Bunch was the first African-American to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, what would you say to uh, a young brother, a young sister who has never thought about the idea of being an American diplomat uh, and they, they, that's just sort of that's a foreign idea to them. What would you say to that person? Uh, why well, they think, think about, about it. it. That's the first thing I would say. Think about it, because I was that young African-American. I grew up in Louisiana. I had no clue this career was even out there, let alone a, a possibility for me. And through circumstances and experiences, I eventually was introduced to this. I never even knew that there was a possibility for me to be the United States ambassador to, uh, to the United Nations or be a diplomat. I spent 35 years in the Foreign Service traveling all over the world. So I encourage them to think about it. Go on to the State Department's website. You know, there's a website at careersatstate.gov. Look at that website. We have internship programs for uh, African-Americans. So this is a possibility for them. And then I would add to that, look at the United Nations. It is rare that I I see an African-American working in the United Nations. Uh, that's really? where Ralph Bunch started uh, in the United Nations. There, there's a park here uh, right outside this building uh, commemorating Ralph Bunch. We have a library in the State Department commemorating Ralph Bunch. And he started all of this for all of us. I'm continuing it, and I hope the next generation is looking at your program and thinking about how they can pursue a career in the Foreign Service. All right. Ambassador Thomas Greenfield, always good to see you. Last time was at the Jackie Robinson Museum opening. Uh, and so uh, uh, thanks for uh, chatting. Look, for, look forward to having you back again. Good. I'll look forward to it. And I have to go back to that museum. I really uh, enjoyed being there but didn't spend enough time. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Paying some bills. We'll come back. Final comments from our panel of my conversation with the ambassador. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, a relationship. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. That we have to have. We're often afraid of it and don't like to talk about it. That's right. We're talking about our relationship with money. And here's the thing. Our relationship with money oftentimes determines whether we have it or not. The truth is you cannot change what you will not acknowledge. Balancing your relationship with your pocketbook. That's next on A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, here at Black Star Network. Pull up a chair. Take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network every week. We'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 200-37- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Hi, this is Essence Atkins. Hey, I'm Dion Cole from Blackish. Hey, everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. <laughs> All right, folks, a final comments from our panel with regards to my conversation with the ambassador. Uh, Erica, I'll start with you. Yeah, thanks, Roland. I think that was a very important conversation for people to see, to see Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. Um, I spent time as an emissary in South Sudan in 2019, and what is on the ground and what is being reported or what is barely reported are two very, very different things. When we think about um, the countries that she mentioned, China, when we think about Russia, when we think about France, which we know is notorious in their abuse of the continent as a whole, what we see when we go to the different countries and how those countries, specifically South Sudan and where I was, Ye State River, um, functionally where we had to fly into a goat field and then be transported, of course, with a security detail, People need to know that these countries um, definitely have blood on their hands. Reese, you're on mute. Reese, you're on mute. Oh, yeah, I was just saying I echo what Erica said. It was a very important and substantive conversation, and I think it's really interesting to juxtapose her seriousness and her sincerity with the other former U.N. ambassador that just announced her presidential campaign that doesn't need to be named. Mm. (laughs) Take us home, Greg. Uh, I was thoroughly disgusted and, quite frankly, 
anyone who takes anything coming out of the federal government's mouth when it comes to Africa or the Caribbean, including Haiti, at face value, you should be embarrassed. That's everyone. Please look this up. With all due respect to Ambassador Thompson Greenfield, the United States was deeply involved in the assassination of Moise. The people they've arrested are in Florida. They're U.S. citizens. And one of them has said that the, the FBI, the CIA was in on it from the beginning. Right now, 44 countries in the Caribbean, CARICOM, are meeting. They are being pressured by the United States to call for the invasion of Haiti again. The U.S. occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934. They were involved in propping up Papa Doc and Baby Doc and getting rid of Aristide, bringing him back, and then asked the Clintons about how much money they made in that whole process. And then when the U.N. invaded in 2010, the cholera outbreak killed people and sent a whole lot of Haitians to uh, Brazil and all the other places. That's how they ended up in Mexico for Trump and then Biden to continue to fight against them. You can't take that stuff at face value. Let's be very clear. The president there now, Ariel Henry, Henri is a U.S. plant. And when she says the Haitian people are calling for intervention, that's a lie. Please understand. And when you talk about gangs ruling Haiti, John Henry Clark, you say in some stories there are no good guys. Yes, there's a lot of violence in Haiti. A great deal of it is because of foreign intervention. And who leads the pack? The damn United States of America. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, is at that meeting in CARICOM right now, and he's got the Canadian Navy doing fact-finding, getting ready to invade Haiti. And guess who's trying to get him to do it? Ambassador Thompson Greenfield is in the room trying to make sure that the U.S. can throw the rock and hide its hand. Finally, the damn Dominican Republic, Abinata, the president of the DR, do you know he called for the intervention in Haiti as well? And after coming to the U.S. and meeting with, who did he meet with? Oh, yes, the vice president of the United States of America. Most of the world has not picked a side in the Russia-Ukraine fight. If you watch mass media, they'll tell you, oh, we're all standing. That's like listening to, uh, what's the, the man, Malcolm Nance and them. Please understand, Africa, most of those countries have not chosen a side. Why? The Russians have boots on the ground in places like Mali and Burkina Faso mm -hmm. trying to help the Africans get the French out. But guess what? Those Russian mercenaries aren't any better than the damn French. And the Chinese, meanwhile, have poured so much money into Africa that when they had that summit she was talking about and brought all them damn Negro African leaders here to sing and dance for a dollar, they had all the companies signed up. And while they were there, the Secretary of State Blinken is forcing Angola, forcing West Africans to sign private deals to give away strategic minerals to U.S.-supported private companies. Please, please, before you watch anybody, black, white, or polka dot, start talking about how much Africa is in the heart of the United States. Please understand, black people. The United States don't give a damn about black people, whether you're born here or in Africa. The only thing they want is their strategic foreign policy interests. If we don't get smarter about foreign policy, we're going to mess around and be in another damn war. Remember Colin Powell at that same UN shaking that little vial of dust, and the next thing you know, you're in Afghanistan for 30 years? Please wake up, black people. All right, then. Folks. Don't forget, support us in what we do. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One. Uh, support us with your dollars as well. I'm going to be in Salt Lake City tomorrow for NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, you can support us uh, with our coverage, P.O. Box 57196, check-in money orders, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle as well. Again, I'm in Salt Lake City tomorrow broadcasting. I'll see you in L.A. on Monday. Folks, y'all have a great weekend. I'll see you tomorrow. Folks, Black Star Network is here.
Well, I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Background. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair. Take your seat. The Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 